Well, dear listener, thank you for uh, hmm. listening to the podcast while we were gone. Yeah. But we're back. We're back. We're back, baby. Back in action. 2021. Here we are. Oh, geez. I know, right? Can you believe it? Another year, another, we had a whole... another beer. <laughs> Not on the premise. No, that's another podcast, Chad. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> so we're back. Yeah, it's 2021, and we have got a lot of exciting interviews planned for this year. And first of all, I'd like to mention, for those of you who know, The Premise is the official podcast of the San Diego Writers Festival. Gosh, I hope you know by now. I would think so. Right? I mean, unless, you, unless, of course, you skip at the beginning Possibly the middle and the end. Which is credits. entirely possible and I wouldn't blame you. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, I've only worked hours, <laughs> well, minutes on that theme song. That's true. People that, that's, should listen to it. That's my you. blood, sweat, and tears right there. It's a really good theme song. You're good. I, I love it. All right. All right. So, so, but here's the deal. We have our virtual event planned for 2021. Two days of programming. They're two weeks apart on July 17th and july 31st so check out the website at san diego writers festival.com there you go all right well we're so glad you're back i'm excited about this year we have a lot happening and today we are sharing an interview that we recorded for warwick's and as you know we work with warwick's in la jolla they are a local boutique bookstore we love to support local. Ooh, boutique even. Yeah, it's such a great bookstore. If you haven't gone in and checked it out, please do. If you're visiting San Diego, if you're out of, if you're from out of town, they just. Are if such you're a, from out of town, why are you traveling? Honestly, well, or that's your true. mask. Hey, it's COVID is <laughs> on the, its way out. Oh, hopefully. We're hoping. We're hoping. I saw some numbers went down. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everyone's getting vaccines except us. Everyone but us, because we never leave our house or this podcast room. Right. <laughs> this is what we do. We just sit here and podcast all day, every day for you, dear listener. So, yeah, I, we've got another one coming up here in a couple couple seconds. Uh, this is a Warwick's author, and I hope you'll sit back and enjoy it. And don't skip the ads. Don't skip the ads. I'm kidding. There are no ads. We only have like the outro. and. Well, our ads are good, though. It's Warwick's, you know, support local. Again, the San Diego Writers Festival, which, you know, the whole point of the premise is to bring industry leaders and book authors and publishing experts to you. So yeah, the ads are important. Yeah. San Diego writers festival.com. All right. Until next time, enjoy this interview. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. I loved your book. It is absolutely beautiful, American Daughter. And I'm excited we're going to get to talk a little bit about it today. I decided I'm going to read your bio, and then I want to read the back cover copy. Just kind of ground our readers in the discussion, in your story, and then we'll dive in. Okay. So, Stephanie Thornton Plymail is the CEO of Heritage School of Interior Design and the founder of the Heritage Home Foundation, a nonprofit serving families transitioning from homelessness. Along with her husband and three children, Stephanie calls Portland, Oregon her home, a word imbued with much meaning as she grew up without one. That line gets me after you're reading your book. I'm like, oh, so true. And by the way, I lived in Portland, Oregon for a year, so I, I'm from the Pacific Northwest myself. Yeah. Short time. <laughs> yeah, in one year. And then I came back to San Diego, but this isn't about me. But I do love Portland, I have to say. It's such a great city. So 
Listeners and, and viewers, uh, I want to read to you the, the jacket copy for this book. For 50 years, successful CEO and designer Stephanie Plymail kept her past a fiercely guarded secret. No one in her life would have guessed that her childhood was fraught with every imaginable hardship, homelessness, abuse, neglect, and worse. Stephanie, in turn, knew very little about the past of her mother, who was in and out of jails and psych wards for most of Stephanie's formative years. All this changed with a phone call that set a, a journey of discovery in motion, leading to a series of shocking revelations that forced Stephanie to revise the meaning of almost every aspect of her compromised childhood. American Daughter is at once a deeply moving account of a troubled mother-daughter relationship and a meditation on resilience, transcendence, and redemption. Stephanie's story is unique, but its messages are universal, offering insight into what it means to survive, rise above, to heal, and forgive. So American Daughter, gorgeous cover too. Is this you, Stephanie? Yeah, so one of maybe two pictures of me. So it's just miraculous that it made the cover and it's just so, it's so beautiful the way Harper did it. They did a really nice job. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions. You know, I was kind of actually surprised to see a photograph of you. I assumed that it was you, but you know, after reading the book, the fact that you have any childhood photographs is, is pretty exceptional. Let's, let's dig right in. As we just learned growing up, you and your siblings were often homeless outright starving. And you were in and out of foster care homes. You suffer, suffered extreme neglect, including physical and sexual abuse. But you managed to escape that life and become what Americans would deem successful and happy. Can you talk to our listeners about your drive, that driving force that helped you become the woman who you are today? Well, you're starting with the hardest question. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather start somewhere easier? Oh, we can no, certainly no, do I that. No, I, <laughs> um, it is, it's a hard question because not everybody who goes through the kinds of trauma that I went through are able to get to that side. So I, I, um, I, I'm careful about that just because, you know, I do have drive. So when I was living, when I opened up in the prologue, when I was living on the beach, um, in a car, in the back of a car, and I saw a bus. And you were eight, right? You were eight years old then? Uh, I was like six. Okay. okay. Six or seven, because we lived in the motel. So probably around seven. Uh, living in the car with my sister, my brothers, um, you know, we we ate seaweed, we ate whatever was there. And, and yeah, quite frankly, like I said, we were starving. But when I saw this bus that had been transformed into a house, and he was cooking, and it was warm, I said, I'm going to have that. And I think about that. I'm going to have that one day. Like there was that grit and drive that mm. this will be my life someday. So I have, I do have this drive to, um, to, to, to be the opposite of my mom, to, to create family. Um, I am very driven. I also do a lot of work in my life in terms of trauma work, therapy work. Um, I've spent years really working on myself. So it's not like I just showed up and I'm just this person. I've done a lot of work right. in my life to, to, to be where I am today. Yeah. You, you talk in the book how you wanted to be pure. Can you talk a little bit about what that meant to you to be pure? 
I know that is such a strange word. And I really battled with that in, in, in the book, but I saw my mom give herself to countless men, horrendous men, drugged out men, drunk men in our house. And, um, I didn't want that in my life. I wanted to be married. I wanted to have a family. <laughs> and I told my, I, you know, my husband, Jim, who I met when I was 15 in high school, um, when we were in college, you know, he's like, well, we should maybe move in. And I said, no, I need something permanent. I've been through countless foster homes, homelessness. I need to be a cert in a certified relationship. So that I just wanted to be with one person. I mean, that was that was really important to me to spend my life with somebody and have a meaningful relationship because everything I saw was was the opposite of that. And I tend to I tend to go the opposite. Um, right. How I and how I function. It was a really good education for me to see what I saw and then do the opposite. Like that worked for me. Well, I, I want to tell our, our listeners, the book is absolutely beautiful. It's beautifully written. It's poetic. It's, you know, in a lot of ways, sometimes it's hard to read, but it's also impossible to put down. You know, putting this book, <clears throat> I wonder the order in which you tell the story. It's not necessarily in chronological order. I mean, we start at that, that scene on the beach when you are six years old living with your siblings in a car, your brothers scaling down the cliff to the shore to collect seaweed so that y'all had something to eat. And then in the next scene, you know, then that just grabs us. And then in the next scene, we're in your adult life and you have succeeded. That was you set out to do, which is become this, this person who you deemed pure, who was successful, who went after what you wanted with that grit you mentioned earlier. Talk to me about the process of the order in which you tell the story. Like when, when, how did you determine, like, what am I going to tell the reader next? So this, the process of writing this book was as real as anything, because I, I had set up to do a, um, interviews with my mom. So all I had were some of the memories of living on the beach and my survival and the dependent unit of California the motel, the, you know, being tossed back and forth, not being in school, being illiterate, fighting through being illiterate. All I had was what I had in my life. So when I set up to, to get the information, when my mom was diagnosed with cancer, I went in to do a series of, of interviews. And now, so let me, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Did you know at that time that you were going to write this book? I think I did in a way, I, I didn't know I was going to write this book. No, <laughs> right. I didn't know this book was coming. This book was not coming. I wanted to share my story because I have talked about. I felt like such a fraud in my life. I, I was a successful person, but nobody knew anything about me. And you couldn't even mm. say, if if I was sitting with you and you said, "Stephanie, how many siblings do you have?" I would be, I would turn pale because I didn't know. One of them was kidnapped. Do I add that? Do I add that I have a brother that was kidnapped? I don't know. I couldn't even answer the simplest question. Where'd you grow up? Oh, in a car and a bus. I just wasn't, it didn't connect with who I was today. And I ran from it. So, yeah. um, so that was part of it. But when I went in to do, to answer your first question, when I went in to do, um, to, to tell the story, my mom and I were going back and forth from present to future. I was present day living. I was going back into my past with my mom and she was revealing everything that happened. So, I knew that I wanted to to tell a story that went into our past 
into what happened and then to the present day with my mom and in my family life and how I was processing that. So it was very complicated to write. Yeah, um, I can imagine. It wasn't linear. And in some people, for most people, it's very, very interesting, but it had to be written that way because we were going into the past. Hmm. You know, it felt like when I was reading it, I mean, I asked myself, is this being written real time? Because I got the sense that we were, you were revealing to us in the same order that your past, your mom's past, and, you know, these realizations were being revealed to you. And it sounds like that's what happened. Well, you're the first person who's really realized that I was really writing in real time because all this was coming and I was writing as I was interviewing my mom. So the book was coming out wow. in real time in this process of, of discovery. And also by writing, by writing your story, it's mm. so healing and cathartic. I mean, I'm sure you know, as you're writing your memoir or anybody who's done any writing, I was healing through this process too. Yeah. I, th I think that really comes through in the book. You know, we get this sense of healing, of redemption, of forgiveness. And I wonder if a lot of that is because you allowed yourself to be, to be raw. I mean, you say in the very beginning of the book, hey, I couldn't tell anyone. No one knew about your life story except your husband, the one person in your life who knew. And you had been hiding this. And all of a sudden, you're telling your story. So it is. It's raw. And, and it is gritty. So, I mean, clearly there's grit in you that goes deep, right? So, I want to tell our listeners that, that you are experiencing this with Stephanie as the story is being told, and it's really beautifully written. I mean, we're cheering for you as I'm reading and, and going from, I liked in some ways how we're going back even further into your past and meeting new characters and, and, and learning certain things, the themes that start to come through, I think are a result of that order and, and the process. But, you know, you were asking your mom very specific questions. Was that intentional or was that just what she was willing to tell you at the time? Um, you know, my mom had, she has three different personalities. One is 11 year old little girl. One is uh, Flo, who was incredibly dangerous. And then, then there's my mom, who was really sweet. So I also had to go between her personalities in order to do this interview. And, and I've, I've um, talked about the fact that I had to go in, I had to do interview style because that was the only way that it was safe for both of us. Because if I set up an interview, it felt safe for her because she could stop the interview at any time. It wasn't like I could just go in and say, hey, I need to know this. It was like, I set this interviews up with her. I made a schedule for us that this would be our time. So it was very safe for her. Mm. And I also had to maneuver through her personalities. So it had to weave very carefully into not upsetting her or triggering her. And I did do that a lot. I did upset her and I did trigger her. And as a matter of fact, one time, you know, she was very violent and she got violent with me. The police came and, um, you know, after the police left, I didn't want her to be arrested. And I just, I went back in there and I just, I told her that I loved her and yeah. continued on our work. You know, she had to kind of realize she couldn't act out like that. I was coming back and yeah. I wasn't going to leave her. And, you know, once I discovered what happened to her and her abduction and what happened to her when she was 11 years old, everything started to make sense at that point. 
and mm-hmm. she was who she was for a reason. So and I, I, I don't want you to, I, I'm going to interrupt you because I don't want you to give too much away okay. to our readers. <laughs> they have to read it to find out what happens. Yeah. You were so gentle with your mom. You know, I, I can't imagine how difficult that must have been because you were experiencing things you hadn't thought about for a lifetime. Well, I was experiencing things and my mother had no connection connection to me. She didn't have normal feelings for me. So she would just be as cold as anybody while telling me these atrocities. And so there were times when I just, I, oh man, I could barely hang on. I was losing it. But at that point, I would have to leave. It wouldn't help me to do anything that I regretted. And mm. I was gentle because I, I am a loving person. But for me, at times, I wasn't. Like, I would get really upset, of course. Um, yeah. But it didn't help to act that out on my part, on my side. One of the other things, without giving anything away, um, okay. I was really impressed with how honest you were with, about your own relationship. You know, the, the one thing you had in your life that is a total solid is Jim. You know, yeah. we loved Jim from the very beginning. And you were very honest about, you know, some of the ups and downs you had in your own relationship. Was, was that a decision that you, you wrestled with whether or not you wanted to give too much away about your own relationship? It was really hard to do and really hard to write and really hard on my husband, to be honest. Mm. Mm. But you know what? It's real and raw. And if I was to stand here and say I was perfect at a perfect relationship, it's just complete nonsense. You can't have <laughs> right. you can't have my childhood and my life and out unscathed. It's just not reality. So for me, this was really important in, in this, you know, that relationship that almost, you know, harmed my marriage or the decisions that I was making. Um, I needed to do that in my life. I've never experienced it. Like you said, that pure word that kind of bugs me, but like that, you know, I, I wanted to have the kind of relationships that other people were having too, and, and experience what other people experienced, you know? Um, but I made the right decision in the long run, not to give. Yes, you did. Yeah. <clears throat> but I like that. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen, you know, and and a lot of that, you know, it does read, you know, that's why it's such a page turner because uh, we don't know what's going to happen. And it is, you know, almost feels perilous at times. So you guide your reader pretty gently through that process. Um, I think sometimes when we're talking about such a high level of abuse, you can easily make it too hard to read and you didn't do that. So well done in that. But I I can't imagine like the amount of editing and the writing and how long did it take to write this book? Uh, four years. So I've been working on it for four years um, and I've, I've given everything to it. But uh, to your point, um, people have said, you know, wow, you just really laid it out here. And, I'm, and, I, and I have to be honest, I didn't. I held back. and I, gave, I was going to ask you that. I was going to, I gave, I gave to the story that which helped the story not i didn't need to put all of these extra awful things in there that's not what we need the book at the end of the day is a story of of love and redemption between my mother and i that happens and we didn't need all of that but so when people say wow you know you just really laid out here i say i could write another book like that was <laughs> that would touch the surface of the chaos and what I what I lived through, what what my siblings lived through. Will you write another book? Do you have another book in you? Yeah, I have one more. 
<laughs> nice. Nice. I started on that. that. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. I, that was, of course, going to be one of my questions I had oh, to ask, right? I just answered your question before you. <laughs> I know. I love it. We're totally in sync. Talk to me about the process of publishing. I mean, publishing can be really daunting. I know a lot of our listeners are, in fact, you know, looking to publish their own books. So can you kind of walk us through your process? So what happened is I had decided to, because, you know, really, I'm, I'm, I'm a nobody, you know, I don't, nobody knows me in terms of um, this world and, and being an author. So I went with a hybrid publisher when I wrote American Daughter and um, I went with a hybrid and I had a wonderful experience and it was a fabulous education on publishing a book. I got to be part of every single process from editing to the book cover and I loved the experience. So, but what happened is that once I, I wrote my book, published it, I mailed out books to actually do something different. And I don't know if it was good or bad, but I, I wrapped every book in gold paper and I sent it to the New York Times and the Today Show and, and everywhere. And um, the Today Show had me on for the first day of when my book was published. And the New York Times wrote, wrote um, a review on my book. So right out of the gates, I went straight to number one bestseller and from day one on American Daughter. So HarperCollins then um, bought my book, I think two or three weeks after it was published, we took it off the market. They did a beautiful edits. We we did a, a redesign on the cover, um, and then you know now we're marketing it um, with with just more visibility. So I feel like I got to experience, I guess it's, it's self publishing, um, but it's hybrid publishing, and I got to experience working with an amazing um, publishing company. So it's a really um, it was a different way to do it, but I, I, I've loved both experiences. I mean, there's so much to be said about self-publishing and the experience and the control. So much to be said about having a fabulous um, publishing company behind you um, and that support that they give you. So I've, I've really enjoyed the process. But I think you've got to stick with your book. I think there were so many times when I felt insane to keep going with this. Like, it's so <laughs> hard. And it's like, what are you doing, Stephanie? <laughs> but I'm so thankful that I stuck with it because I just, the book is connecting with so many people and I want to share this story. I want this story to resonate with people who maybe have experienced um, trauma or abuse and that they feel the strength to overcome in their own life. So that's what's propelled me is just wanting to share in hopes that it helps other people in, in their life and in their story. And I'm very committed to people sharing their story. Not necessarily does it have to be this this book, but even if it's on your social media channels, being open, authentic, and how much that is healing and how much it has an impact on others. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations on, on your book being purchased. Let's talk a little bit about your school. So, you know, you just talked about, you know, giving back and, and helping others. So, Talk to us a little bit about Heritage School and the, the, the founding and, you know, your, your, the whole impetus for going down that path. So I've been an interior designer, as you know, from, you know, the prologue that design is in me. It's who I am. And I was a designer for about 18 years. I was ready for a new challenge in my life. I'd gone back to school and studied um, business and coaching and art. And I just was going through my own discovery process, uh, things that I never got to do as a young person who's a surviving. And um, so the Heritage School had closed down. Um, the previous owner wasn't able to keep it up. 
I purchased the school. It was it was pretty much dead, dead, dead. It was dead. It had shut down. And I just had this vision because, like I told you a little bit, I was illiterate till I was 11. I had a school was as traumatic for me as as my childhood. I was part of it. I never felt accepted. I was never seen at all. I went through grade after grade. So I had this desire that I wanted to create this hands-on design education that anybody who wanted to be a designer or in the design field would be accepted. We would find a way if they couldn't pay for it. And we wanted to make this acceptable to for, open to everybody and where every single student matters, their work hmm. matters. So my school is a reflection of the lack of education and the lack of belonging that I had in school. So again, I'm always doing the opposite. So I've built this wonderful community. I've expanded it to, we're in, we're in um, Denver, Seattle, and Portland, and we're gonna expand um, to probably a few different locations. Um, and it's a school where everybody's creativity matters. And I've been, it's just, it's one of the things I'm most proud of is that I get to educate people help people get the jobs, dream jobs, jobs that they mm. love. Because it's just, it's so important to have a job that you love, to go to work and love what you're doing. And so I'm providing that for people. An education that used to take four to five years, $150,000 to go to school. Well, gone are those days. And my school's accessible, affordable, and time efficient. And that's what people want. Hmm. That's beautiful. You know, it seems like there's a, the theme of doing the opposite, right, yeah. in your life. But I also think that there's a certain amount of um, I don't, maybe stubbornness, like you don't take no for an answer. Is that is that true? This drives my husband nuts. <laughs> I don't take no for an answer. I just, um, I, 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 yeah, I don't really understand the word no. I, if, if I get no, then that just means it's not the right time, or maybe it's not that angle. And or you so, have to reword the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's when I awesome. have an idea, I, you know, when I have an idea and a plan and, you know, like these schools are helping so many people. And I just, I just had this vision for what I wanted education to be because of what I didn't have. And yeah, I am really stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, that's a good quality for an author, especially an author who is, you know, going through the independently, you know, the publish, self-publishing and, and going through a hybrid, you know, I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. You know, when you went through the, the hybrid process and going back to wrapping your books in gold, you know, every book coach would tell their clients not to do that. Did people <laughs> tell you not to do that? Do, um, do it. They probably did. And, you know, people told me not to write a book. People told me you're crazy. I, I, people told me when I started this school that you're nothing, you're nobody, mm. nobody knows you. This is, you know, you're a disaster. Like, I just don't take no for an answer. And the funny thing about wrapping the books in gold, the Today Show opened it, the New York Times opened it, People Magazine opened it. I mean, everybody opened the book. So I, I mm. don't know why that's a bad thing. Um, it just looks you know like everyone's everyone's going to wrap their books in gold now. You know, right? <laughs> gold paper with a raffia ribbon and a handwritten note. I, they just opened it and they did something with it. So mm. I don't know. 
I don't know if it's the right thing. I've the, heard it's not. <laughs> well, I think it's a, such a beautiful part of your story because it does speak a lot to who you are and you do wrap things in gold. Oh. I mean, from the moment you stepped onto that bus and you described, I love the way you described the bus and I'll tell our listeners. So, you know, here Stephanie is living in a car, a station wagon with her siblings, right? No warmth, barely any food. And then for some reason, there's this bus, this converted school bus that these people are living in, which, you know, today that's so hashtag van life, right? Oh, so you, you step onto the bus and you describe the pillows yeah. and the colors and the curtains. And I know that's adult Stephanie speaking to that, but it affected you. It affected six-year-old Stephanie on a deep level. And so... I'm not surprised that you wrapped your book in gold with raffia ribbon. That's who you are. You, you make everything pretty and you make it desirable, right? I think so. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, in design is my life. I couldn't just send a book in an envelope. That just seems insane. <laughs> totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners, you know, just about going out on your own, I mean, writing a life story like this, you know, a memoir like this, I should say, do you have any advice for our listeners who are thinking about writing their story? If you, if you feel that this is the right thing for you to do in your life, and there's, a, there's an audience that needs to hear this, no matter how big or small, I say, go for it. And even if you have two readers out of the whole deal, but you have healing and you have growth in your life, and this is your goal, you do it. Because it's a monumental accomplishment. And I will never take any book for granted. I mean, I just, I just value the work of every author after doing what I did. And I mean, I felt compelled. And like I said, so many times people, I think, just thought I was kind of nuts because my process was, um, it was so involved. And um, it was so hard. And for mm. years, going back with my mom and doing the work with her and then writing the book and all the healing work, but I have no regrets. And I just don't think you should live with regrets. And if that's what you want to do in your life, just do it. Go for yeah. it. Nice. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I want to hold up the book again. American Daughter. Beautiful book. And I, do you want to tell us a little bit about your next your next book? I mean, do you want to give us a little hint or do you, are you going to hold that? Well, I'll tell you what I'm Hold on to that. I'm starting a, podca a podcast called Overcoming and we will be featuring stories of amazing people who've gone through extraordinary lives who have come out on the other side to tell their story of how they got through it, you know, um, the most extraordinary stories. And so mm. um, that that's my next book. And at my next podcast and then my next book is called overcoming and it's going to be my story and journey of overcoming and also sharing more about my life um, more about my process of how i overcame and also incorporating and capturing some of these amazing stories of other people so that's that's my next project hopefully. awesome well i look forward to seeing it Thanks. you know what did what do your children think about this? About you putting your life out there and 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 telling this story in such an open and honest way? Well, it's so cute because on uh, my Instagram, my son just wrote on my page, "I am so proud of you, mom." And oh. my kids, um, they're so proud of me. You know, my daughter at times was she said to me, "I'm hurt that you told the world about your story 
you wrote this book, but you never told me. You didn't feel that you could talk to me about this. And she's 18 mm. now. And I tried to protect my kids from everything, everything, uh, mm -hmm. to the point where they didn't get to experience um, what I went through in, in a good way. And so that was a learning for me. I, I, wanted, I wish that I had that internal strength to be more honest in my life. I am now. I'm authentic now. But I wasn't always. I was guarded. My past was behind me with, you know, I like to say it was in like a metal box with draperies over that and then another metal box over that. I mean, I was so, everything was inside me that I didn't get to share it with my kids. And, and, and that is something that I do regret. Um, but my kids are proud of me. Um, so. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'm sure your husband is too. They are. Julie, I saw, oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, they're all. They're all, they're very supportive and, and very proud of me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this has been a lovely conversation. It's a real honor for me um, being a memoirist myself and writing my memoir. I loved reading it, American Daughter. It's available at Warwick's and everywhere books are sold. And uh, it's definitely worth the read. So thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. Lovely questions. Thank you so yep. much. It was fun. That was a good conversation. Yeah. I mean, there was just so much yeah. to dig into. I mean, I think you guys could have caught on and I, it's, it's, uh, wow, Stephanie, you're, you know, and, and you, the last question that you brought up about your kids, Jennifer, it's one of those things that I think that's just a natural thing to protect totally. your kids from, yeah. from, you know, and to, 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 to move forward into a life that, you know, you want them to only see the good, you mm -hmm. know? Um, I mean, perfect for them instead of letting them see. And that was because of where I came from. Um, and they're mm -hmm. okay. okay to make your kids' life wonderful. It's a good yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No. She was 11. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that's the yeah. thing is like, and, and there's cer certain things that we don't share with our kids. I mean, you don't share like some of the stuff you did even under normal you know it's just like <laughs> there's things that they don't need to know some stuff <laughs> sometimes just it's just yours that's right yeah. <laughs> but anyways um i don't know if you guys because when i first um dropped off the screen i was kind of doing my little back thing and i don't know if you guys already talked about this but one question that i always loved how did you come up with the, it was this the oh, original the title. title yeah was yes. it the original title of your self-published or did harper change it no, this is my original title. And we didn't really get to talk about my found um, heritage that's in the book that is so fascinating. Um, I want to save it for the reader. Is that bad? <laughs> well, it is really fascinating and, and we'll save it for the reader. But come to find out my family came from one of the most prestigious families of our country and founders mm -hmm. of our country. And How did you find that? Did you, well, was it a DNA thing that you did? Uh, well, you're going to have to read the book. <laughs> there you go, Stephanie. That's it. That's it. Well, we can talk about, we can talk about the title though. We can talk about the yeah. title. Well, the title is also, obviously there's this heritage. It's a mother daughter story, but I'm also the product of every system in America that failed from the education system, the foster care system. I fell through every crack of the American system, but I'm also yeah. living, um, the American dream. There's also somebody like me who can come from nothing and nobody and make something out of their life. So that, that to me is the American story. It's the good, the bad. And uh, so that's American Daughter. So there's a lot of layers even in that name. 
Yeah, no, they, I, they, I figured there was because it's like there's that that's a really specific title and it's a really good title. So I wasn't Excellent sure. Title. Yeah, it's a really yeah. good title. Thank you. Yeah. And I loved your comment that you made about um, advice to people who are writing their stories. It's so true that I mean, I've been doing what I've done for 10 years. I've been in the book business for a lot longer than that. But um, you have to write for yourself. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to write for some golden thing that's out there, you're never going to, you know. And as somebody who gets sent a lot of books, the gold wrapping paper and making it seem different is a really good. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the same thing when you send somebody a resume, you've got to like, you know, make yourself stand out somehow. And it was elegantly done. It wasn't cheesy. It was beautiful gold paper with right. With twine who doesn't love that right right no it's absolutely because there is um yeah i mean there's my house is stacked with books that we get sent to to review so um you gotta that's i think that was a real it's like spot. ooh, what's this out <laughs> and I've, I've had the opportunity to read and help endorse several books just this year and you have to stand out though you you have to be honest real and you have to be a storyteller. I really believe that you have to go into stories. Right. And that's what grabs the reader is those stories and the realness and, um, and being authentic. Absolutely. So that, that to me is what's so important that a lot of people miss. It's that storytelling element and being authentic. You that's true because, because that's the thing. I mean, you can open the package, but once you open the package, there has to be something of substance Good. in that package. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and that is where, because you would, you know, you wouldn't have come this far if there wasn't some really good substance and, and the way it's written and what you've told. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, a yeah. couple other quick things. Um, let's see what, um, let's say there was other things that I was thinking of, but now I can't think of them, but oh, well, <laughs> um, oh, I know what, so, um, you talked about like reading other, what did you read? Like, were you one of those that during the first shutdown, was it hard for you to read or did you read a lot of things during the shutdown? And if so, what were some of the things that you, well, I have to be honest. I have really struggled reading since the shutdown. A lot and of people have, I've been, uh, anxious. And mm. I read best when I'm very relaxed and I read best when I go away and get out of my home and work. And I'll tend to read a stack of books when I go on vacation. I don't need to do anything exciting. I don't need to jet ski. I just need to read books mm. and I haven't had to travel. And so I've really been investing my time, to be honest. Um, I'm a memoir junkie. I love memoirs, but I, I, I've been really focused on my business and launching my book and um, my design schools and I've, I've become um, really good at doing videos now because we need to, to be communicating and um, teaching people design so to be honest that hasn't been my focus this year unfortunately for me I can't I haven't been able to relax because of it's just so unsettling right now it's it's mm. no and you're and you're not alone in that um there's a lot of people that felt uh, for me personally I don't think I read it and I read you know, I read over a hundred books a year, typically wow. just like, you know, and so I didn't read from like March until like June. I mean, there was a big chunk of time. And for me, that was like unheard of. So, and I, I've heard from a lot of authors and readers that 
was hard to hard to concentrate. I'm glad to hear it was hard. It was hard for me at first, too. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Stephanie. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I just makes me feel better knowing that. But I do know myself and I do know that reading for me is relaxing and I have to be relaxed and COVID has not been relaxing. No, it has. No, it has. <laughs> Anything but, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we're going we're gonna to wrap things up here. So Jennifer, for our um, listeners out there, if they want to follow you or find out more what's going on with Jennifer Thompson, what's their best way to do that? Well, thank you very much. First of all, I want to let people know that the San Diego Writers Festival is happening again this year virtually, and I'm super excited about it. We have two Saturdays, July 17th and July 31st. People can listen to the Premise podcast, which this will air on the Premise as well, and they can find that at sandiegowritersfestival.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jennifer Grace, or you can visit my website, jenniferthompson.com. Perfect. And Stephanie, you've got lots of things. You've got lots of uh, irons in the fire, as they say. So what's the best way and what are some things that you want to um, tell people that they can find you? Uh, well, you can find me, uh, American Daughter. You can find my website. Um, I'm very active on Instagram, active on Facebook, um, emails. Emails are hard just because I'm, I'm, I'm really busy right now. But um, follow me at Stephanie Thornton Pymel. I'm very active on Instagram and um, I love to engage with the community. And if you love interior design and you love American Daughter and books, then I'm the place for you to be on Instagram. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, this was a, another wonderful conversation. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Stephanie, for um, coming in with us. Uh, we really appreciate it and, and um, look forward to lifting up your story for more people to be able to read. Thank it. you so okay. much for having me. It was wonderful. I can't wait yeah. to go there to your store. I know. Come, yeah, come to the store. America Daughter. <laughs> there there it is. San Diego Writers Festival.com